welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. I wanted to talk again about um, healing. Um, not that I want to re-emphasize the theology of it. I think you've had enough theology. Um, but it's more getting down to some practical aspects of praying for people. Um, and I don't want you to see this as a, um, uh, what's the word? I don't see it as a, a technique or anything like that, but it's just to try and give you some practical guidelines to, to move along, really, when you're praying for people. And it's not just for healing, it's in any aspect of, of praying for someone. And so it's worth taking some notes um, as we go through this, because it's quite a simple model that it was John Wimber who first put it together, and many, many people have used it um, since. But I have to just warn you at the beginning, it, it can be restrictive as well, because you can get, oh, I've got my model now, how to pray for people, and that's what you're going to do. <laughs> and, you know, when we saw that lady um, who was paralyzed get out of the wheelchair, you know, this model doesn't quite fit that, you know. So you've got to realize that, okay, it's a framework, but the Holy Spirit will just do other things. <laughs> the key is follow Holy Spirit, follow what he's saying, follow what he's doing. Jesus did that all the time, didn't he? You know, I only do what I see my Father doing. And that's our task, to learn to see Father. And that's the, uh, my whole thing has been trying to help you grow in that realization that you will be able to see and feel and touch and be aware of the Holy Spirit and follow his leading and as you follow his leading you start to see the works that Father intends to do. All right, so that's that's the key. But this little framework helps you when it's like I don't know what's going on when at least you've got something to fall back on, okay? A long time ago now, many many years ago, we had a, a prophetic vision and in that prophetic vision two angels uh, lifted up a scroll from the earth. They lifted it up like that. And written on it was, my purpose is to heal the whole person. And you began to understand that God's desire for, uh, for everybody is that they would be whole completely. You know, whether that's physically or emotionally or spiritually, they want them completely whole. And so when you are engaging with somebody to pray for them. Um, that's, the, that's the heart behind Father towards them. He wants them whole. And so you might find, you might set off thinking, I'm going to pray for somebody's big toe because the big toe hurts. But the Holy Spirit leads you into other areas which might be more associated with their emotional life uh, that he wants to deal with. Um, I remember, uh, I think I've told you, uh, there was a lady who had a frozen shoulder. So she couldn't lift her arm more than that. It was very painful, very restricted. She asked for prayer. And of course, your first point is, I'm going to start praying for this shoulder, aren't I? You know, and if, as we go on to this um, five-step model I'm going to explain to you, you would start with, well, how did, you, how did this happen? When did it occur? You know, what sort of prayer am I going to use for praying for the healing of your shoulder? But as I say, what is the key is follow Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said she has unforgiveness with her sister. So we weren't really dealing with this healing of, you know, physical healing. 
we were dealing with an emotional situation and a sinful situation, which was she had unforgiveness towards her sister. And initially, when I asked her that, she said, no, no, I'm perfectly all right with my sister. And then you go, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit is saying something wrong with your sister. So I said, are you sure? It could be a small area. And eventually she said, okay, yes, not the best of relationships with my sister. So I said, well, do you want to forgive her then for that thing, that, that aspect that she oh, well, if I have to. <laughs> she wasn't really very gracious towards her sister. But she did pray. She said, please, I just forgive my sister now. And as soon as she did that, her arm just went straight up in the air, totally healed, and all pain gone. And you can see that the, there's a connection. You know, we're, we're complicated people, aren't we? You know, just because you've got a sore toe doesn't mean that it's because you've got a sore toe. You know, there can be other things that are causing all of this. And so when you're engaging with someone to pray for them, you're trying to see them on as a whole person and asking the Holy Spirit to guide you really on how to pray for this whole person that's in front of you, okay? Remember that it's compassion that really leads you. Um, remember Ian was saying, you know, um, he can have a few times, he can have this feeling of, oh, I've got to do that for God, haven't I? That person's sick, I can see they are, they know they've got, a, they've got crutches, I can see they are, I've got to do that for God. And he says, you know, he had to say quite a few times, Lord, sorry for my attitude, because my attitude is, I've got to do this for you. And what I want is compassion. And, you know, he gave us stories about, well, God, I tell you what, when my heart's right, please bring that guy back again. In which the guy came back later on, Ian's heart was one of compassion, and they prayed for the guy. So compassion is what leads you. Um, Sometimes I think compassion can feel very strong in you. Um, you know, you can really feel that overwhelming emotion and empathy towards the person. And other times it can feel quite um, brief, really. But it's just something in your heart of love towards the person that you're looking at. And you know that Father wants them whole, completely. Okay? And so, Holy Spirit, please show me what is the way in to bring healing to this person. So God wants to deal with the whole person as I said. So you've got healing of the spirit which is of course confrontation of sin. Sin does affect people just like that example I was saying of unforgiveness towards her sister. It had a physical impact on her body and you only have to think about anger. You know when somebody is angry towards relatives, towards people, you know, that anger can really gnaw away at them, can't it? In fact, in the Hebrew, there's three words for anger. You know, one's more like a, a blowtorch, it's very direct. Another one is very, um, you know, like a volcano exploding. But there's a third word, and that, you know, to describe it, you would have to say it's like a smouldering fire. You know, when the embers are in your fire, that you know, they're really red hot and it's just... They've got large licking flames, but everything's hot in there. And that word, it, it means, you know, the anger just continues rolling on. And it's like that's something that's deep inside you. And, and actually, it can actually lead to the person's death, you know, because it just eats away at them. Now, that sort of 
you know, if you're praying for someone, it's no good just having a general sort of prayer. You'd have to lead them in some sort of confrontation of that sin. You know, what are you going to do about your relationships with that person? Forgiveness is key for you to be free. And, you know, your prayer life, prayer with them is more guiding them through this whole process of, you know, getting right with their friends, their relatives, and with God, okay? There's also healing of the oppressed. Um, so that's the expulsion of demons. I mean, it, demons are a bit like Klingons. You know, they, they stick to you. And their aspect that they use is lies all the time. And it's just they lie to people. Um, they lie about their worth, their self-worth. They lie about their... Uh, their relationship with God, they lie about the relationship with other people. And as people believe those lies, they then get fixed into that whole thing of being what we would call demonized. We're not talking about possession here. It's nothing to do with possession. It's to do with being oppressed by the enemy. And the enemy loves to do it, I have to say. And, you know, we need to be wise to realize that sometimes the person you're praying for, they're just believing a whole load of lies. And that's what's so wonderful about um, Sozo, you know, that you've all been through, in that in Sozo, you're hearing the truth from Father. And as you put that truth into practice, so you get free from the oppression of the enemy. Sometimes it takes a direct prayer, telling the demon to go, and sometimes it takes the person going, okay, I'm going to um, believe a new truth and put that new truth into action in my life. Healing of bodily functions, you know, you know, the heart disease or the cancer or the other aspects of our body beginning to dysfunction and we're going to see healing of those. And um, healings of, when we, again it's all to do with our minds and what we believe and you know, if I think about my own young life um, being um, rejected and bullied at school and how that lingers on in you and impacts upon your trying to live a life out here, but you're living it from all of that feeling of I'm rejected. So you then project that rejection onto everybody else. Oh, of course, they've all rejected me, aren't they? Because you didn't look at me in the right way or you didn't say the right thing or you didn't phone me, therefore you want to, you're rejecting me. Or I then would choose to live in isolation because if I, if I isolate myself, then I don't get hurt by you or the feeling of being rejected. And all of that stems from wrong beliefs that I've had as a kid, and I keep believing them. Um, so you're dealing with the whole person, and all of that can be in them when they present their sore toe. You know, my toes hurts, and Father wants to deal with a whole lot more than just a sore toe. It might be the way in. It might be the opening for more and more of God's pact. But you, our job or our role is Holy Spirit I want to follow you to help bring life and healing to this person that's in front of you. So those aspects or you know when you went through Sozo 
Um, there's various keys they use to help people um, find that truth from God. Irving often uses those in normal prayer sessions. You know, if it was in church, people come forward for prayer. He would use those techniques in praying for them. And so there's no reason why you can't uh, remember them and apply them to the people that you um, pray for. You know, what was beneficial to you might well be helpful to the next person that you pray for. So somebody's symptoms can have a combination of all of those things that are going on. You know, the healing of the spirit, the oppressed, the functions and, and the need for renewing of our minds because it's, it's the lie that I'm believing here is affecting the emotions that I'm living in. You know, I am feeling hurt, rejected, not loved. All of that stems out of something I believe up here. And I have to find a way of getting that changed. Okay, so this simple uh, approach that um, John Wimber put together is just five steps. So you've got five little things to remember, five steps along the way. But each step has a purpose, really, to help us. And a person like Randy Clark still uses this, still teaches this now to many, many people to help you with praying for somebody who comes and stands in front of you. How do I pray for you? Well, if I've got no immediate direction from the Holy Spirit as to what to do, I'll follow this roadmap of five steps. And along the way, I might get a diversion by the Holy Spirit to do something totally different, okay? But at least I've got started. So the first step is an interview. Step one is an interview. And I'm asking a question, where does it hurt? I'm assuming here we're talking about somebody who wants physical healing, right? So where does it hurt? That's my basic question. And I remember that I'm not a doctor. So I, people who are sick love to tell you detail. And unless you're Rebecca, the detail means nothing to us, does it? You know. So, you know, just be polite and say, well, just tell me where it hurts, you know. All right, so, so you've got a heart problem. I don't need to know whether it's six valves and whatever and whatever's happening and you know what drugs you're on. It doesn't mean anything to us because we're not doctors. All we need to know is where does it hurt? And so that's the natural plane. I'm asking you on this natural plane, where does this hurt? But you've also got another question going on, which is to God. Okay? You're, you're looking in the Holy Spirit here. You're looking for the gifts of the Spirit to come. You know, a word of wisdom to come, or a word of knowledge to come, um, or some sort of spiritual insight here you're looking for. So you're asking here on the level, natural plane, and you're also asking in this wonderful place that we've realised that we live in, which is the heavenly kingdom where the Holy Spirit is, that we're in it every day. Okay, so Holy Spirit, what are you saying? If you remember the lady that had the bleeding bowel. Remember we watched that with Bill Sabritsky? So he had a word of knowledge, so you might be doing this in Spain, Holy Spirit please give us some words of knowledge and you write down some conditions you feel that the Holy Spirit wants to heal and he wrote one down, bleeding bowel, and he said there's at least one of you here who's got a bleeding bowel, come quickly please for prayer now, and the lady comes out. So she's responded to a gift of the Spirit, she comes forward. We saw that he didn't go, right, I'm going to pray for this bleeding bell now. He did that another question again up in that supernatural realm. 
what should I do now, Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit said, pray for her ear. So he puts her hand on her ear, and he then commands the Spirit to leave. And in that whole process of that oppression going, and the woman being freed from that um, spirit that was affecting her ear, her bowel is healed. So you see that process that you're, you're looking on the natural, what is that's wrong with you? You've got a bleeding bowel. How long have you had it? Oh, six years. When did it come? Uh, well, it just started one day, I woke up with it. What effect has it had on you? Well, I feel very drained and uh, no, no energy. Uh, it's, you know, uh, it's embarrassing. Uh, all those sort of things going on, natural level. Asking Holy Spirit. And he says, pray for a left ear. So you follow Holy Spirit. Do you see what I'm trying to point out to you? you you're asking on two levels here. Remember, it's not a medical interview, so you're not trying to find out details of this medical condition, thinking that knowing medical information would enable your prayer to be wiser. It's, it doesn't. You know, when I prayed for the lady with, with the potassium level to increase, you know, what was healed was her need to have a hysterectomy. She no longer needed it. And, I still don't know the connection between the two. But you, you're following what Holy Spirit is giving you rather than having a medical history about why she needed a hysterectomy. It wouldn't have helped at all. Okay, so the interview is on a natural level. You're thinking about that. You're thinking about the supernatural level. Is it demonic involvement? Is it, oh, Holy Spirit, we've got another gift of the Spirit coming here? It's on the social level, you know, is there some interaction between this person and somebody else that's causing the problem? You know, the lady I told you about with the frozen shoulder, unforgiveness to her sister, it's on like a social level there. Emotional level, you know, I'm talking about being uh, feeling rejected, so is carrying that rejection into my adult life, is that having an impact now upon my physical problems, you know? And is there any sin going on here? Am I, is the person actually taking an action of, you know, a, a, an action of sin that really is having an, an influence on their life? And you really need to deal, try to deal with those on that different, all those different levels. So if you got it, so that's just the interview. There's, <laughs> there's a, you know, I started off by saying, where does it hurt? But actually there's a lot more that you're trying to sense and feel and respond to in that whole interview process. Okay, so you've got the interview, number one. So number two now is, it's now a question of determining what the cause is. Why does this person have We'll just keep the sore toe going. Why does the person have the sore toe? That's your question now that's going on in your mind. Uh, and, and we're talking about... Uh, well, there'll be natural and supernatural we're looking at. So, why does the person have the condition? So, I mean, sore toe, I might have kicked the chair and it broke my toe, that's why I got sore toe. It's fairly simple, you know, it's a natural thing. I kicked the chair, broke my toe, that's why it's sore. Well, you know, I'm, that's where it stops. Do you get what I mean? It's just, I've got a broken toe. Um, 
But <laughs> I could have been in a uh, fight with someone over some issue and they, in their big hobnail boots, stamped on my toe and I've reacted with all of that and I'm now dealing with a much bigger issue here. It's not just a sore toe, but there's also a lot of anger going on and there's also a lot of relationship issues going on that I might put my hands on his toe and pray for it and I'll see nothing happen because really the root cause, which is all that anger, is not being dealt with. Okay, so I'm determining the cause in the natural, revel, natural realm did they contract a disease or hurt themselves? You know, did a bang hit my toe uh, on the chair or have I got a disease in my toe? That's what I'm trying to find out. Um, was it sin that caused this to happen? I.e. I got into a fight and somebody stamped on my toe. You know, there's, there's some anger thing here that's causing it. Is it an emotional condition? You know, I was so emotionally wrecked that I fell over the chair and broke my toe, you know. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? It's, that was the motivating factor behind, um, you know, the social problem. Am I harboring ill feelings with that anger and that was the fight and that was a stamp on my toe? So just on that natural realm, there can be lots of different causes to get there. Though I'm saying all these things, you just got to remember, I always try to remember, Jesus says, unless you become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom. All of our activity with Jesus is childlikeness, being in that child relationship with him. Therefore, I do not need to have a big book of all the things I have to learn to be able to do something. Because if I'm a childlike, I, I would never expect my Emily or Sophie to remember the big book, to be able to do something. They're just responsive to Holy Spirit. And in being responsive to Holy Spirit, they're able to do immense things. Okay? Having said that, using our bit of wisdom is useful at times as well. We do have a brain to think. And there's a supernatural realm. You know, is it demonic oppression? Have I been so oppressed by the enemy that I kicked the, t tick the chair because of the way I was feeling? <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Or can it be any sort of occult activity? Um, or, or could it be an authoritative activity? I'll give an example on that. When I was a young kid um, at junior school, they had a choir. And, you know, you... All the kids were asked to go and be in the choir. So we're all there and we were singing the various songs. And I remember the piano teacher stopping, pointing at me. I mean, there must have been 50 kids there, pointing at me. Get out, you can't sing. Now that simple statement, it was probably quite right, I couldn't sing. <laughs> but that simple statement meant that I didn't sing then. And when I became a Christian, oh, it was hard to sing songs because I always remembered what the teacher said. I always remembered it. And it, I took prayer to say, okay, I forgive you, teacher. 
I thank you, God, that I only have to make a joyful noise. I'm going to be happy making a joyful noise from now on in. But it's amazing how a simple thing from an authority figure to someone can impact their lives and could have an impact upon the physical situation that you're trying to bring healing to. So, you know, that's another one to remember is, has someone in authority said something and then the person's really, because of what they believe, has restricted them. I mean, there is a thing, like, there is a curse that can come, but the majority of the times I think it's just because I believe something, I, I can't sing, therefore I won't sing, and because I believe it, that's my action from then on in, right? Um, a curse is a bit stronger, I think, on some. Okay, so we've, um, we've determined the cause now. We've really, we've, uh, to the much of our ability, we've determined the cause. You know, the person's sore toe is because he kicked the chair and broke his bone. So therefore, we've got, we understand there's nothing else. It's very straightforward now. We understand where we are. So that, at that point, you've had your interview and you've determined the cause. Now you've got to choose your prayer. Um, and there's many different types of prayers. Uh, and the key to remember is Jesus' prayers, when he was praying for people, are always very short. You look through the whole of the New Testament, you know, the, the Gospels, find where Jesus spends any longer than a few words praying for someone. You know, it's like straighten your arm. Be healed. Go. <laughs> very directional, very short. Often when we pray, we spend hours praying. Long words, lots of words, because we don't know, quite know how to get to the solution, really. So there's a few types of prayer that we enter into, and they're all good, all helpful, all right? So the first one is petition, praying to God. You know, I ask for the Holy Spirit's presence. Remember, I tell you to do this all the time. Holy Spirit, come. Invite the kingdom to come. He loves to be invited, so invite him. Invite his presence. It, you're doing two things. It's not that he isn't with you, but you are acknowledging him. You're acknowledging what he does, what his life is like, what is going to be him that brings the, the healing benefit of what Jesus done on the cross to that person. It's him that brings all of it to them. So invite him. Um, so that's your petition prayer. Please come. Invite the kingdom of God to come. Intercessory prayer can be like praying in spirits, you know, just praying, your, praying in tongues because sometimes you don't know what to do. So pray in tongues. Pray quietly. Pray out loud. You know, Irving going to pray for the man who was dying of cancer prays out loud for a long time until he gets thrown out of the house, but the man's totally healed, just praying in tongues. So it's a, an incredible gift. Um, don't forget that you, that gift, you have it. Um, so or praying in your mind, you're just, you're, the person in front of you, you've got your hand upon the person, and you're just trying to think through what to do now. You're just praying, Father, please show me. I want to follow what you're doing your heart of compassion for this person. You're just praying those prayers quietly to yourself and to God, all right? But then 
what often comes is a prayer from God. It feels like it's come from God to that situation. It's a command of faith, you know, straighten. And the man puts their arm out. Or rise up. Um, or you see when they're, you know, praying for that lady who was paralysed, you know, it's not just one prayer of that command, but it's all a combination of, you know, helping the woman up, uh, expecting to see God's miracle take place, uh, and, you know, declaring that they're, the woman's going to walk and she's going to have that freedom. So you've got that command of faith, or pronouncement of faith. Go, you're healed. Jesus often would use those sort of, that sort of pronouncement. You are healed, go. And in the going, the heals. Remember the lepers, you know, go and wash in the pool somewhere or show yourself to the priest. And they, they went and in the going, they're healed. It's that's what it says in the going, they're healed. Um, healings can be a process. Remember Ian's, a lot of Ian's stories was they prayed for somebody and Weeks later, the result was seen. So it's a healing in itself can be a process. Miracles are like instant. All right. So there's that pronouncement of faith: you are well, go be healed. Or you know, like you feel like to pray for someone um, to have a baby they are struggling to have conceive, and you are praying for them, and then just say, you know. God's given you a baby. I remember, um, what's his name? Gosh. Sorry, I can't remember his name. There was a guy in uh, Toronto and he walked past, I remember hearing about it, he walked past a lady who had tried for many, many years to have a baby, her and her husband. He walked past her, said, in a year you'll have a baby, and just walked on. She broke down in tears, speaking to John Arnott, saying, oh, this is terrible, you know, it's not, why is it, why has he done that? Why has he said this? You know, so much, uh, you know, disappointment I've had over the years, etc. And John Arnott just said to her, it could be true, you know. Nine months later, baby's born. You know, it's just, it's a pronouncement of faith, you know, the pronouncement of what Father is saying and contained within that word that was pronounced is everything necessary to achieve what God wants to achieve. Um, if it's a, a demon, remember the lady with the bleeding bowel and he's speaking to that demon telling it to go, he's getting the woman to tell the demon to go as well and so it's a rebuke, you're telling the, the thing to get off her and leave her alone. Um, you might have to bind that spirit you know, um, and tell a thing to leave. Uh, don't get all hung up about where do I send a demon when I'm telling it to go. Um, there's one scripture which talks about Jesus sending them into the pigs. That's one. You don't have to worry about it. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what he's doing. Can I ask yes. a quick Yes, it's your authority. It's the authority that God's given you. You speak to the thing, tell it you're bound. You really, what you're meaning by that is that you're not allowed to uh, uh, cause disruption, um, a, a mess, or whatever. You just bind your influence, tell it to go. Right. 
Um, and often your prayer choice is now a mixture of all of that that's going on. You know, you, you, you might be flipping from one to the other as you're going through this. But then it's just choosing your prayer. It's like you've got a prayer arsenal here and you're choosing the appropriate prayer and follow what Holy Spirit's prompting you. Okay? So we've done interview. We've done our, uh, you know, trying to determine what the cause is, both natural level and spiritual level, what that cause is. And we've, we've prayed. So now it's the step four. It's that process of prayer. So how are we doing? Remember I said you use that question so often. How are you doing? Even Jesus said, yeah, it's number four, the process of prayer. So it's asking the questions, how are we doing? You often don't know what's happening. Uh, it, it would be wonderful if you thought you knew everything, you know, but often you don't. And the person themselves can give you a load of information that can bring a lot of encouragement and faith to you, you know. Uh, it can all look like nothing much is happening here. You ask the person, say, oh, yes, it's just my insides are just turning over and something's happening here. I don't know what it is. Uh, and you sense, oh, gosh, God, I'll pray a bit more then. <laughs> right? Uh, so it's like, get that question out of your mouth. How are we doing? What does it feel like? What are you sensing? What are you seeing? You're asking those sorts of questions. What's God doing now? Where is he touching you? You know, has the pain gone? Has it reduced? Um, Randy Clark would say things like that. He used to ask people, are you 100% healed? And he said he would see very few people initially put their hand up to that. And he, he began to realize that because healing can be a process, that somebody might have felt a real, oh gosh, there's a real change coming here. But I can't say I'm 100% healed, so I'm not putting my hand up. And the result of that is that unbelief just really settles on everybody. So he started to say, like, well, okay, who's sensing the Holy Spirit on them? Oh, loads of people hand up. Uh, and do you sense anything happening? Oh, yes, I do. People are, and like 70% healed? Oh, yes. And loads of hands would go up. Oh, yes, yes. Well, well, let's pray for the next 30% then. And you see that process going on. And what it does is it holds people's faith as you're moving forward with praying for them, rather than them going, yes, you're not 100% healed. Oh, dear. Must have done something wrong. And you fall into that bit of unbelief thing going on. Um, so we're in that process of prayer. You, you've started praying for them. You've asked them, how is it going? What's happening? They're saying to you, well, I, the Holy Spirit, I really feel the Holy Spirit's on me. Wonderful how the presence of God's here. And you say, well, let's pray again then. So it's okay to pray again another time. Pray again another time. Uh, invite the Holy Spirit to come again. If it feels like it's all calming down and nothing much is happening, you know, say, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come again. Re help the person re-engage with Jesus and Jesus' healing. Because sometimes it can be a, just a simple distraction that's taken away. You know, they're being prayed for and then they're looking across the room to something else and their mind's totally distracted and it's like they're 
no longer engaged with what God's doing. And so you just need to bring everything back online again. So when do I stop praying then? Well, when the, particularly if the person says stop, you, you stop praying. <laughs> That's a quite a simple one. Um, you know, when Irving got thrown out of the house, it was pretty obvious that he was to stop praying. <laughs> um, when the Holy Spirit tells you to stop, the Holy Spirit might just say stop. When you can't think of anything else to say, stop. <laughs> it's just simple, you know. Don't get into this, I've got to keep going. Now, having said that, remember Hannah's testimony, praying for the lady who was in a wheelchair? She starts praying for her and says to the woman, I'm not leaving you until you get out of that wheelchair. Now, that is actually a word of faith that's coming out of Hannah's mouth here. And there's a, 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 the presence of the spirits with her in this and even though all the other people who are praying were leaving Hannah is focused on that God's saying you're going to be well and get out of this wheelchair and it was after 40 minutes that the woman then had a <gasps> and the presence of God seemed to hit her and she was healed and it's I think it's intriguing listening to the testimony from Hannah because up until that point in all the times Hannah said, you know, how is doing, what you're feeling, it's nothing, nothing. It's very nice being prayed for, but I don't feel anything. And then it was after like 40 minutes, was a, <gasps> and God's come in and the lady's healed. So it takes some tenacity, I think. You see that, I saw that in Hannah. It took that tenacity to pray and keep praying. And believing that Jesus would. Yeah? So, you know, certainly stop when you can't think of anything else to pray, but also just be aware that the Holy Spirit may want you to stay there. Um, I always thought John and Cal Arnott had a wonderful partnership in prayer for healing. John would have those um, wonderful, clear words of knowledge and insightful. Um, it's this group of people here, God wants to bring healing, the Holy Spirit's here, uh, come out now for prayer. And he'd, he'd pray for each individual person and there would be some power encounter going on. And then um, Carol would soak the people in prayer. And it might be like 40 minutes, an hour, she was just praying for them, that the healing process would just continue complete. And then the person would get up and totally healed and it's just always stood out to me as a lovely combination of that insightful command of prayer um, choice of um, you know type of prayer gift of spirit working and then soaking prayer the complete presence of Jesus over you so that you are completely healed and so I would encourage you when you're on your mission trip or doing any church activity, praying in teams, you know, two or three of you. Jesus sent everybody out in twos, so at least two or three of you or four of you. Because as an individual, after five minutes, I might have run out of what, you know, uh, I can't feel the Holy Spirit anymore. I don't know how to pray with you anymore. 
I've got a bit lost in all of this. And hopefully, when that's happening, Andy there knows where to go to next. And so as a team, I can help the person or person, the group of people I'm praying for through that whole process of prayer because as a team we are getting insight from the Holy Spirit and approaching it maybe in different ways but that's really bringing um, life and victory for the, the person we're praying for. So when you've prayed your best prayer uh, and it doesn't seem to have achieved anything, put a pause in and say, God, what are we doing wrong? Or God, what else? Holy Spirit, you know, maybe there's another gift of the Spirit to come. Maybe there's an insight in, you know, if the, the lady with the frozen shoulder, maybe you haven't, didn't get the... Let's go back to that example again. Lady frozen shoulder. As a team, we've been praying for her shoulder to be well and it's not, nothing's happening. And we've prayed our best prayers and it's been, you know, we've been there for 15 minutes praying for this lady's shoulder and nothing has happened. Put a pause in. Say, Holy Spirit, show us, please, what's going on. You're just doing that quietly to yourself. And it might be at that point you see, uh, I mean, I have to tell you, I saw her sister. I saw a picture of a woman, knew it was a sister, so it was like a word of knowledge. And that's why I was able to focus in on that to bring healing to a shoulder. So if you as a team didn't get that initially right at the beginning, you might get it a little bit later on. Do you get what I mean? So put the pause in and say, Holy Spirit, show me. Get more revelation. And if at the end of that you still haven't got anywhere, just bring it to an end. I discovered that people love being prayed for. Majority of people love being prayed for. They like the feeling that you care for them, that you're interested in their life and you're prepared to put some effort in. Um, I always thought it would be the other way around. I thought they would be disappointed if something didn't happen. But to be honest, I think if you're coming with compassion and love for them and, and are interested in their life, and then they're not just a, an object that you're practicing on, but they're somebody that you are concerned about, then they appreciate your prayers and therefore you don't be concerned that well I prayed for you nothing's happened you'll feel really bad about this won't you? Most people respond positively. So we've now got to step five the last step of our little model here and that's post prayer direction because Jesus would often say to somebody go sin no more <laughs> or go your way you know and it might be a scripture that God gives you that you feel is just a word, a prophetic word for them. We might have a prophecy for them. Do you get what I mean? Don't forget that you know, we're here focusing on healing. But this wonderful, wonderful gift of prophecy could be coming out while you're praying for that person. And you're speaking to them about their future, about you know the, what God's intent on their life is, and how wonderful they are in His presence, how much they're loved. And you're speaking those words of affirmation over them in your post-prayer direction. Number five, post-prayer. Yeah, yeah. Number five, post-prayer direction. So, you know, 
What should they do to keep their healing? That's really what you're thinking about here. And I think sometimes you have to help people understand that the enemy likes to take back what Jesus has won for them. Um, so June Richards' example of, uh, you know, she was healed from a, a terrible depressive illness, totally healed. Um, you know, that scripture which is, uh, um, you know, take my burden upon you, you know, it's light. <coughs> and let Jesus take his burden, that yoke uh, of burden. And she did that and she was totally healed. But a few weeks later, all the symptoms, depressive symptoms, crawled all over her and she was feeling as bad as she was when she was first healed, uh, before she was healed. And she stood in the doorway, stamped her foot and said, enemy, get off me. I am healed and I know this is you. And all the symptoms crawled back up her and left her. And it's all because the enemy wants to get back. How does he get back? He puts it through, mostly through your mind, through what you think, through what you say then out of your lips, you know, and we say things and it's powerful what we say. Oh, I wasn't healed. Oh, and all of a sudden I start to see all those symptoms coming back again. So um, post-prayer direction, how do I keep my healing? It might just be stand firm in what God's done. The Holy Spirit might tell you to say something to them. Or you might just say, you know, go on your way, be blessed. But refrain from telling people uh, that they're now healed. So don't fall into this trap of going, right, I pray for you, you've had a terrible heart condition, and although you've got all the same conditions, all the same feelings, I'm now going to tell you, you're healed, because I prayed for you, you must be healed. And don't do that because you are not a doctor. They will know when they're healed. They will know <laughs> they are healed. It's, you know, if you've had a heart condition or if you had a sore toe and it's stopped being sore, you know <laughs> that it's healed, right? Um, don't tell them to come off their tablets. Doctors might put them on tablets and the doctors can take them off the tablets. Uh, don't you say, stop taking your medicine. Faith is an incredibly important element in praying for the sick. It's just very, very important. But the, the issue is don't be telling people, well, you've got to have faith, hold on to your faith here. Because often all that they're holding on to is hope that there's something's going to be right. They're not really walking in faith. They're just walking in, in a hope that they're going to be well. And I've seen people walking in this, you know, I remember a guy, he had um, a kidney issue and uh, he kept saying, I'm walking in faith, I'm going to be well, walking in faith, I'm going to be well. And actually he wasn't, he was just hoping. And he got very, very sick because he took all his tablets. And it took somebody, a man called Harry Greenwood, uh, an incredible minister of faith in this country back in the 70s, uh, to say to him, you do not have faith get back on your medicine because you're going to die otherwise. You know, you're not, you're not walking forward into health and life. You're actually walking forward into your death. So start taking tablets again. Okay. And in all of this process of healing, medicine, in my view, is 
God-given. It might be a bit different. Rebecca will say it different to that. Uh, the reason why I think it's God-given is I know um, many would have the view that, well, you know, the will's unfair. Uh, in the rich West, you can afford your medicines, and in the poorer countries, you can't. But I suppose my view on it is like this. Um, let me look at it in terms of food. Uh, in wealthy nations, there's no problem with food. We've got enough food. Uh, we can buy our food, no problem at all. In other nations, they're not so well off, or in uh, drier nations, they struggle with their food. It always looks to me there's enough food to go around, but it's something else, politics or um, business, that restricts where food goes to. You only got to look at, it's only recently that um, supermarkets have started releasing their um, food that's you know, gone past the sell-by date to um, uh, food kitchens, just recently in this country. Well, what has stopped them up till now to be giving that away? It's some other motivation that holds it back. Right. So I always think that if our motivations were right across the world, there wouldn't be an issue with food because we would just send it to the right place. Everybody would have it, absolutely certain. And I feel the same that with medicine. You know, um, yeah, some of the pharmaceutical companies charge an absolute arm and a leg for, for drugs, don't they? Um, there was a big argument going on recently where they put the price up of uh, some sort of tablet to a ridiculous amount of money. And now the government is pursuing uh, one of, the, I think they find one of the... Um, uh, pharmaceutical companies for doing that. Well, what's driving that? It's driving is, you know, profit, making money, etc. So if that wasn't motivate. If the motivation was, I want you to be well, I'd be a philanthropist. I'd be giving it away, wouldn't I? So I keep thinking, somehow or other, medicine is God-given. And Rebecca doesn't believe that, but I do. Um, and I don't see it as a conflict. I do see that there is an issue in terms of faith in that we would have more faith in the tablet than we have in what Jesus has done for us at the moment in our world. And when you're in a nation where the tablet isn't a choice, it's surprising how much faith they have in what Jesus has done for them. So I, I understand it has that negative effect, but I still say that God's given it to us as a benefit um, and I wish that I lived in a world where it was freely given to anybody who was in need of it you know. <laughs> well not quite <laughs> okay so there's our five points you know we've uh, got a simple model it can help you you know, at least, you know, if you don't know where to start, at least it's a start. An interview, I can find out what's wrong. I can think about what sort of prayer to pray. I can pursue my prayer. I can <coughs> ask you what's happening. How are we doing? And I've got a, an end to that by saying maybe some post-prayer direction. And I can remember those five steps fairly simply. But don't use them as a formula, please. The key always is Holy Spirit. Where you're going, gifts of the spirit. What gives the spirit to functioning here? Words of knowledge, uh, the prayer of 
healing. You know, all of that. It's a gifting of the Holy Spirit that's needed. Um, and so that's, uh, that is the key. Hold on to that. But at least five steps when you're a bit like, I don't know what else to do. You've got something to do. All right? Um, when you start to pray for someone, you often will see, uh, we've finished the five-step model now, so this is just something else. When you start to pray for someone, you can often see the presence of the Spirit of God coming on them, and it will look like something. And it's worthwhile picking up on those things. You know, it can start with just the fluttering of somebody's eyes. You start to pray for them, put your hands on their, them. You say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Always I always encourage you to pray in the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus asked us to do. It's not a formula. It's just a recognition that it's him who's done it. Right? So in, his, in your name, Jesus, I'm praying now for this person to be well. And as I start to pray for them, their eyes will begin to flutter like that. And it's, a, it's an indication that the Holy Spirit's come. Why is it important to notice it? Because it really does help your faith. Because all of a sudden now, as a response to your prayer, there's been a, a response in them. They might start to shake. You know, as the power comes on, as power comes on them, they start to shake. They might fall over as you pray for them. The Holy Spirit comes and they fall over. They might start to laugh. Or they might start to cry. All those things are just the presence of the Holy Spirit coming. Um, they might, their breathing might change. You know, it can come, you know, just more pronounced. The breathing can become more pronounced. Um, they may glisten. This is a strange one. They just like glow and you notice it. The Holy Spirit's there. Um, they might become drunk. The Holy Spirit comes drunk. You know, they might become drunk in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, it's like areas of their body become highlighted to you um, you know oh gosh it's here and here if you find that this thing it highlights that it moves around their body or the pain moves around their body you know started off praying for their shoulder but it's now on their knee now it's on their other shoulder now it's down their big toe that's often an indication that it's a demon and you've got to tell the demon to go Yeah. Uh, it's a demon turning it to go. That's not quite what I'm meaning, Rose, though. Uh, in that situation, yes, I mean, if you've got a trapped nerve, then the pain can be you know, all right up and down your leg, you know. No, 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 I'm not saying that's a demon. No, all no, right. right, yeah, yeah. So okay. I'm just saying about the word of knowledge. Yes. It was like there was more, yes. more to it than just stiff Yes. It's like to be a nerve Yeah, so you had that insight, and that then helped you to pray more directly for it. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
Yeah. Yes, yawning, they do. Yeah. Uh, or they can bend over like that. There's loads of things that can happen. Shout, yes. Um, Holy Spirit coming. It's very common yeah. as you pray for somebody. Their eyelids will flutter backwards and forwards. Um, well, it's, it's, you start to look for it. That's why we say to you, pray with your eyes open because you're looking for the presence of the Holy Spirit when you're praying for someone. And you're seeing it in lots of different ways. Okay? Yeah, twitching, whatever. And all of it is to like encourage you, really. Yeah. I mean, His presence is here. And you start to go, His presence is here. There's another aspect that's important. Um, Carl Fletcher's I always find very good at this. So he might be praying for you, Jonas, and you might be stood there like a statue, nothing happening. But he will feel in, in his spirit that the Holy Spirit has come on you. So he'll say it, the Holy Spirit's come on you right now. And the result is you respond to the Holy Spirit. And so there's this combination of him getting an insight, the Holy Spirit's come, declaring it, and then the person receiving it, or manifesting the presence, I should say, because the Holy Spirit had already come on them. And so there's that combination of speak out what you're seeing. So if you start to see eyelids fluttering or them way, swaying backwards and forwards like this, say it. The Holy Spirit's come on you. His presence is with you now. Right? What's he saying to you? What's he shown to you? How is he, you know, what's happening? Um, Let's honour the Holy Spirit's presence with you now. What does it do in them? Oh, gosh, God's with me. <laughs> do you get what I mean? They start to respond that way. Um, sometimes when the person isn't a Christian, they can respond out of, oh, what, what's happening to me now? What's happened? Right? And you have to explain it. This is... Yeah, the Holy Spirit has come. This, this is natural. This is what he does when he's bringing that healing. You'll be all right. You know, some sort of... In- reassurance can be necessary because they've never experienced it before. They're not being through eye destiny for five months and had you rolling around in laughter at the eye graduate, you know. They haven't had that experience. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Um, So, words and knowledge, um, again, this lovely gift in terms of relationship to healing, it can be just clear thoughts into your mind, you know, it's the top of the leg. Did that come quickly to you? Or does it, yeah, yeah. Just, I just saw her leg. Saw her leg. So you saw a picture? I saw her, so I just yeah. saw her femur. Yeah, okay. So it comes as a picture and you, and you say it, you know, you're involved in it. It can come as a word thought. I often find it comes and goes very quickly. You have to get hold of it and use it again. Um, it's easier when you're not under the pressure of, say you were taking the service on Sunday, um, stood in front of very of people trying to get words of knowledge can be quite pressurised, whereas beforehand, a bit Sabitsky, you know, what are you saying, God? Oh, Thema, write that down. Oh, bleeding bowel, write that down. <laughs> you're then a bit more relaxed and it's easier to hear God when you're relaxed 
than when you are nervous and tension is <laughs> a bit more difficult. Um, but uh, lovely, like with Ian, not expecting it, walking on the beach, or walked into the cafe it was, wasn't it? Headache. This is not my headache. This is somebody here. Right. And his friend says, right, let's go after them. And Ian asks the first person, have you got a headache? No. Oh, well, that's it. Then I must have got it wrong. And the friend said, no, no, we ask everybody. So they ask everybody, and eventually they find somebody who's got a headache. It's you then. <laughs> the process of elimination is you. But I think... I think what Ian was showing us is that, you know, is to put a bit of belief into these random pains that occur and go pursue it. Who is it that's got the sore leg? You know, I think he had a, he had a headache and there was another pain that he had, wasn't there? Um, and so it's learning when that word of knowledge comes like that, that it's not, oh, it's not you, it's not you, it's somebody here and really you might have to search a bit to find the person it's not going to just fall into your lap oh yes it's it's you you've come forward haven't you with your sore leg i know it's you no it, you might go and have to ask a few people uh, who it is uh, i think ian, uh, ian was saying that you know he'd, he'd walk in certain area and the pain would come he'd walk away and the pain would disappear he'd walk back again and he eliminated everybody by walking up to them until it's you then, <laughs> you're the one. Uh, so there we go. That's a nice way of it happening, isn't it? So you can get pictures, you can get word thoughts, you can get pains that come into your own body. Um, emotional swings, you feel the emotion that's in the group of people or uh, around you. you. Oh gosh, you know, you feel that anger. You know, it's full of anger, aren't you? <laughs> And they're not angry, they're not demonstrating that, but you've, you've really picked that up as an emotion and it's the Holy Spirit bringing a word of knowledge to you. Um, <coughs> words blurted out, you know, uh, I think I told you about looking, I looked across the room in the church and I saw this lady at the back and I said, you've got a problem with your womb. And I'm thinking, oh, I shouldn't have said that's a bit too embarrassing, but I've just said it now, haven't I? <laughs> and it's blurted out of your mouth and you think, oh, can't I have more control over my life <laughs> But sometimes it just blurts out. Um, and then you just know that you know that you know that you know. So I think that's, uh, you know, knowing these, or being aware how these words and knowledge comes, when you start to get them, then you can, you know, you, oh yes, this pain, it's not me, it's for someone else. Who is the person? And you can pursue that. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.